This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. Joint Finance Committee co-chairs Representative Mark Bourne and Senator Howard Markline are taking the reins of the biennial budget process now that the governor has shared his vision. Although they say there are some areas of agreement, the solutions to the state's biggest challenges will look quite different under under a Republican budget. Welcome to both co-chairs today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. How are things going so far? Chugging right along, I think, so far, yeah. Getting On schedule ready. and getting ready, yeah. Ready for the busy time, huh? Yeah. Long before the storm. <laughs> <laughs> so this last fall, you gained some majorities in both of your chambers, uh, had successful elections. The governor uh, won a second term. How does that shift in politics in the Capitol change the budgeting process, if at all? Yeah, I don't think it, change it changes it much. Um, you know, we were both uh, our first budget as co-chairs last time around. I think we put some processes in place that we felt went pretty smoothly and moved things along. Uh, We've had a chance now under Republican majorities to build two budgets with this governor and, uh, you know, build them with our priorities, but enough of his priorities that he signs the the budget bills in the past. So I think it's kind of the same process and procedure this time along. Even with a governor in a second term, it doesn't really impact the politics of the budget? I don't think so at all. No. I think, as Mark said, I... I think the process last time was a good process. We got a lot of positive feedback from a lot of people on the process, and I expect that uh, this process will be very similar to what we did last time. I know it's really early, but I'm sure you're already having meetings with constituents and lobbyists. What would you say are the top three themes that are bubbling up already? Boy, there's so many meetings and so many different ways to spend uh, a surplus, as I'm finding out in all those meetings, that it's um, almost probably hard to find, um, at least in those meetings, really constant themes. I think the same stuff that I hear from my constituents hasn't really changed. You know, Education is a priority. Uh, investments in infrastructure like roads and broadband is a priority. Uh, things along those lines. But that's been the same for several budgets and I don't think it's changed a lot. Sometimes just the details a little bit. Any themes that you're hearing so far in your meetings? I'd say it's pretty similar. Education is a big item. Um, you know, the cost of, um, cost of government uh, has gone up, whether it's local government or whether uh, we're trying to staff our prisons and some of our uh, facilities. Uh, uh, inflation has hit us uh, this time around much more than existed two years ago. So you mentioned that record surplus. We, we're, we're hearing a lot about that, $7.1 billion. How are you looking at that amount of money in the budgeting process, and how are you talking to constituents, people you're meeting with, about how that can um, be spent? Well, the top line is, uh, that you hear about is $7.1 billion, not million, billion. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a huge number for, for us to comprehend, for taxpayers to comprehend. And, you know, the thing that I've been cautioning uh, my colleagues and cautioning a lot of people that I talk to is that the true ongoing surplus into the future is more like $3 billion. And that's a big difference between $7 billion and, and $3 billion. A lot of that $7 billion is one-time, was generated by one-time money that's not going to be ongoing. 
So as policymakers, we have to be careful that we don't overcommit uh, as people are making all these requests of money that we don't overcommit and find ourselves in a bind two years from now, four years from now, or six years from now. Do you think there's confusion about that $7 billion surplus? There's definitely a lot of confusion about it. You know, that's part of the problem with the governor's budget. He really builds it on that sand, uses a lot of the one-time money and a lot of tax increases that we're not going to support. And so people think that there's all this money there because he's spending all of it, but he's really building us a big problem for the future, kind of mortgaging the future with all that spending, and we're certainly not going to craft a budget like that. So we're going to focus more on what the ongoing number is Howard said, you know, about $3 billion. I think that's pretty close to right. And um, we'll make sure that we build a responsible budget that focuses on that. But it takes a lot of educating you know, the stakeholders. You mentioned in the question earlier about who's coming into the office, talking to constituents, because the, the media coverage certainly has been such that it's $7 billion or more, and, and that's not really the full story. Beyond tax reform, what is an example of a one-time investment with surplus dollars that would be a good one-time investment, would you say? Um, Mark alluded to you know, infrastructure. I think that would be an appropriate roads? use of what roads. I mean, in my district, uh, we certainly have roads that could use a little attention. So to me, that would be an appropriate use of one-time money. What do you think for one-time money? Are there other things you'd like to see used? Yeah, that's a good one. Another one could be um, capital investments in state facilities that need upkeep or update um, and things of that nature. Could also be um, paying down debt. You know, it's certainly something we'll take a look at, you know. Um, but there are options for one-time money that are smart investments. Um, in your conversation with WIS Politics last week, you talked a little bit about the state's economic outlook. We had Bob Lang in here a few weeks ago from the Fiscal Bureau, and he said, mild recession this year, probably ending in the third or fourth quarter. Are you more or less um, pes pessimistic about the state's economic future? I think I'm more pessimistic probably now than I was a couple of years ago. Uh, I, you know, we had a plant uh, closing announced in my district uh, recently, and you know, when I talk to business people, business is okay. Uh, there's shortages of labor, obviously, which is affecting their ability to to um, meet uh, consumer demand. But you know, there's certainly some. I don't think the the growth rates uh, are uh, as great as what a lot of people think. Uh, I just met with some people today and. <clears throat> and uh, we looked at occupancy of, of rooms, for example, and, you know, it's it's maybe up 1%, 2%. Now, their top-line revenue is up a lot because of inflation, but uh, the growth, underlying growth is, is not that strong. Is the state's economic outlook affecting how you're thinking about and strategizing on the budget? I think it's definitely part of it. I mean, we've been, in the 10 years that I've been in the legislature, really it's been an economic boom time. So we're used to seeing more revenue. Every estimate that comes in, it's predicting more and more. And in the last one we saw in January, it was ticked down a little bit on what they were projecting for the growth. Um, so that was kind of a new thing for me to see in the, from a legislative perspective and kind of caused some pause then. And so I think that's part of why we approached the budget in a much more responsible way than the governor did and uh, we'll make sure that we're setting the state up for a, a strong future even if there is a little bit of economic slowdown. 
You both uh, mentioned your support uh, over the last few weeks for moving toward a flat tax. I think I've heard you say maybe not getting to a flat tax in this budget, but definitely supportive of moving toward that. Um, the Department of Revenue has estimated that a flat tax proposal would cost about $2 billion in the first year and then $5 billion annually after that in terms of lost revenues. Is there a concern that that contributes to a future deficit movement toward the flat tax? Well, we're going to cut taxes. There's no doubt <clears throat> at all that we've got a surplus. Um, some of that surplus needs to be returned to taxpayers. You know, so I think that's one area that we have uh, agreement on um, between the houses. I think, and and, and uh, you know, in our caucus certainly. So um, the details of that, you know, will be worked out. Um, but we definitely will be cutting taxes in in this budget. You mentioned the governor's budget being really big and, and, and mm -hmm. heading toward future deficits. Is the same true for a flat tax proposal that it contributes to the future deficits? Um, well, not necessarily because no proposal is the same. And so I, mean, I think what you said in your question was the scoring of one particular flat tax proposal. You could do it in a different way and you could increment it in different ways over time. You could make it a different rate and all those things would score differently. I think what's more important is that we're going to continue to focus on reducing the tax burden in Wisconsin and continue to work towards a flat tax. Now, whether we can accomplish that all in this budget, you know, that's probably unlikely for some of the reasons that we've already talked about, how big our current you know, balance that we can spend is and how, what the future economy looks like and taking a more measured approach to that stuff. But it doesn't mean that we won't continue towards the same goal, which is to be more competitive in the Midwest with a flat tax and a lower rate. And we keep building towards that, just as we've done the last several budgets. Governor includes a 10% middle class tax cut in his budget proposal. Will that show up in your final document? We're going to have a tax cut. You know the details again. You know we're and we've been we've been working. You know to, to follow up on Mark's comment, we we've been working for a decade basically towards a flat tax by adjusting those those rates. And so, you know. There's a surplus. We will definitely be returning tax money uh, to the taxpayers that sent it to us. Um, in the end, you know, given that you don't think you can get completely toward a flat tax, do you think that you'll have agreement with the governor on something that you could both call significant tax reform in Wisconsin? I think that, much like last time, we'll send him a budget that invests in priorities and lower taxes and. Um, I mean, last time he signed it and, and then spent a summer and fall running on it. So, I mean, I guess I think in the past he's accepted our good ideas and certainly, you know, we'll put together a good budget that he can accept again. Uh, everyone's talking about shared revenue uh, as an area of potential agreement, funding to local uh, governments. The governor directs 20% of the sales tax revenue to local governments, in addition to more than half a billion directed toward public safety. Do you anticipate that the final budget will include more or less funding toward local governments than what the governor has proposed? We're looking at shared revenue right now. Uh, we've got a, a number of people that are in, in our houses that are working very hard in that idea. So, um, you know, I'm sure we'll have uh, a proposal that we can support uh, that will be beneficial for our, our local uh, units of government and will probably include uh, some reforms. Mm -hmm. uh, is, what's the right number for local governments? Is it in the, in the arena of what the governor's proposing, 20%? I think it's probably in that arena. I think the devil's always in the details. And so, um, like the senator said, 
we currently are working on that. He and I have both been attending some meetings. We have some of our finance colleagues that are focused on the details of that and, and keeping us up to date on that as those that work continues. And we've been working with local governments long before the governor even knew this was an idea. We were working with local governments on this type of long-term sustainable funding. So I think that we're close and we're just working on finalizing the details and making sure that it invests real money, um, sustainable money into, into local governments so they can fund their essential services, but that it also focuses on innovation in the future and not just funding the same old you know, failed uh, practices or outdated practices, but really focuses on the future and sustainable funding for the future. You both mentioned tying that money to some innovation reform. Mm -hmm. What's an example of a reform at, for a local government in your area that you'd maybe like to see explored? Sometimes when you're working on stuff like this, you want to be careful about giving an example because then people are going to think that's the way it's going to be and, you know, the details are still being worked out. So you want to be a little bit cautious of that. But I think a lot of the discussion has been focused on public safety in general. And I think that folks are always looking for ways of either consolidation is probably the most common efficiency that comes up, Again, not the only one. I don't want that to be make it seem like that's the only way to be innovative, but that's certainly one that some... Um, communities have already done and that a lot more I think would have the opportunity to do. Are there some reforms or innovation happening in your district that you'd like to see more of around the state? Well some of those uh, reforms have happened already um, and uh, we just need to keep you know encouraging innovation, encouraging efficiency, making uh, taxpayer money go as far as it possibly can. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, we've talked about and I think is on the table is some reforms relative to the uh, pension liabilities in the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County. And I think uh, that there's a belief, I believe, that we're not going to be putting uh, lots of new money into shared revenue unless there is some level of uh, reforms in some of those, uh, especially those big ticket items. You mentioned Milwaukee. Um, where do you stand on the option for Milwaukee to levy an additional 1% sales tax? That's, we're working on that. Um, it's not a no, it's not a yes. Right. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, it's part of the ongoing discussions. Um, just recently had a uh, discussion with the mayor of Milwaukee and a few days before that with the Milwaukee County Executive. And so those discussions are continuing, but I think the senator's point about um, you know reforms being part of the discussion are, are really important for the city of Milwaukee specifically. For both the city and the county, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, you mentioned K twelve education as a priority. You're hearing mm -hmm. about. I'm sure you're hearing about education mm -hmm. as well in your early meetings. Um, the governor is asking for two point six billion dollars uh, for K twelve schools. It's a seventeen point two percent increase in funding. You know, schools dealing with teacher shortage student mental health issues, um, uh, inflationary costs like everyone else. Um, is $2.6 billion too much money for schools? We, K-12 schools are the number one use of taxpayer money in the, in the past and they will be in the future. And we're prepared to make a significant investment in our K-12 schools. Yeah, we don't, as far as an amount, um, I am not going to make any commitment on that, but uh, we will continue to value our, our schools and, and make sure that uh, they're funded adequately. $2.6 the right amount, close to it? Obviously, we'll invest in schools, and also 2.6 is just another example of the governor's excessive spending. Um, 
the whole budget, as I said before, is kind of built on sand with tax increases and unrealistic uh, spending levels, and so certainly this is one example of it. But we will invest in schools. That will be a priority. There will be significant investment, I'm confident, in the, the budget that we bring forward is uh, the legislative budget. Uh, as far as the number exactly, that's what the budget process is for. We'll spend the next few months figuring that out and how it all fits together with other spending priorities and tax reform and the whole package. Good thing you have an accountant as your co-chair. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty of accountants, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> this is our favorite one. <laughs> uh, Representative Bourne, shortly after the governor introduced his budget, I saw an interview you did talking about concerns around reading achievement and literacy for mm -hmm. students. What might we expect in the budget that might be along those lines? I think that's you know kind of a good example of where whatever investments we make in almost any area, we want to make sure we focus on priorities and then focus on reforms or things that can improve our systems. And education is one where we need to have better access for parents, more involvement for parents in their child's education. And some of that is school choice, but some of it's just better involvement um, in their public schools or whatever their school of choice is. Reading is another one where we've seen really abysmal scores throughout the state, um, some areas worse than others, but um, we need to focus on some of those reading initiatives. We did some of that with some of the federal money um, that, pa that passed through the Finance Committee in the last uh, couple of years that was part of the ARPA funds. Uh, but we need to do more of that, and I don't know whether the package itself will be in the budget or a separate bill, but I think you'll see the legislature leading on this issue because apparently no one else is. Or the like I said, the scores are abysmal in some areas, and, and so I think we'll look to make investments and some changes. Putting in funding behind reading specifically? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the governor proposes uh, some literacy coaches, statewide training, $5 million for other reading strategy. You're saying pretty much that's not enough. We need to do more? I'm saying that that's not, that's kind of just, uh, I'm going to hire more people is what he said to teach people to read. I'm not really f focusing on the on real reading initiatives or whether the curriculum is the problem. I mean, they just had a hearing this week, I think, in the education committees, joint committees between the Senate and the Assembly um, focused on curriculum. And it seems like there was a lot of good discussion there with, you know, experts in, the, in their uh, education fields talking about all, uh, the fact that some of the curriculum we use in Wisconsin is really been shown to be a failure nationally, but we're still using it in some Wisconsin schools. So I think we need to focus on stuff like that. Uh, the governor's administration introduced his capital budget last week, $3.8 billion with $1.8 billion going directed toward UW campuses, including some for UW Platteville in your district. Are there some parts of that capital budget that you support, that you know you support? I'm sure that I will support something in the capital projects <laughs> budget. <laughs> I'm not sure what that number is yet. So, again, we haven't discussed that in, in caucus you know, we'll make an investment uh, in, in capital projects, but uh, I'm, we haven't talked about that at are all. Are there the some yet. needs in your district that you would support? Oh, I'm sure there are. Mm -hmm. uh, the governor proposes uh, for putting four state office buildings for sale, doing some consolidation of state office buildings. Any reaction to those plans so far? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, that wasn't exactly part of the capital budget. That was their vision plan they put out right. the next day or two. It was like a dozen pages or so, really lacking in a whole lot of analytics or detailed information. So I think we'll wait and see more about that. I think certainly this administration has been doing a lot of work from home, and I think there's some question as to whether or not that's really effective for some state agencies. We're 
doing some auditing on that right now with um, the audit bureau and the audit committee. So I think we'll see what kind of information we learn from that and, and learn more about the administration's plan before we make too big a reaction to whether or not that's you know the right plan or not. But I think if there's an opportunity to reduce some of our footprint as far as office space in downtown Madison, that's probably a good thing. But we'll have to figure out what the right balance is and get a lot more information on that. Thanks. Speaking of no more information, the Brewers proposal that the governor included in his budget, a lot of people saying they need more information. Do you think whether or not the Brewers decide to stay in Wisconsin hinges on if there's a deal on their stadium renovation included in the budget? <clears throat> I don't know that. You know, we're still gathering information on that, and I'm still uh, trying to solicit input. Um, the, the input I've received to date from my district has not been real positive. So, um, but uh, we haven't discussed that item either in, in our caucus, and you know, we'll have to, you know, make that decision down the road. What's your reaction to the proposal the governor in his, bu in his budget? Well, I think as, as to whether or not the brewers stay, I mean, I don't, that's part of the problem with this whole thing. We're just lacking information. We don't really know. The brewers haven't really said much so far either. It's the governor basically just dropped this thing in his budget. Um, it's, I think it's another example of his failed leadership, too. Um, you know, you look at a few years ago when the Bucks needed a new arena. Governor Walker sat down with legislators on both sides of the aisle and local officials and worked on a bipartisan deal um, to make that happen. And here the governor's far as we can tell, talk to no one, certainly not legislators, um, really hasn't provided a whole lot of information. There hasn't been much information from the team or anyone else. So uh, we need to learn a lot more about this and have a lot more discussions with the stakeholders involved before we can decide what's the right thing to do. Uh, Speaker Voss had hinted in an interview that there might be an affordable housing package that would be a big portion of what your caucus would be proposing. Do you have any information on that you can share? Um, not, not any great details, but certainly uh, workforce housing is a priority. It's something that we've been talking about for weeks already. And um, so we've got some members of um, the Assembly, I know for sure, and I think they've been talking to some senators about it as well, on um, using uh, some of the one-time money to make an investment in that. And so um, we look forward to the learning more about the package. And certainly because it's an area of priority, I think it's something that we'll want to focus on. But the devil's always in the details, just like other stuff. So we need to, you know, learn more about that and then talk between the two houses on the details. That should be the title of our show, Devils in the Details, Biennial Budget. Um, what more needs to happen on broadband in Wisconsin? Well, I think the, there's a lot of federal money that's going to be coming in to the state of Wisconsin. You know, over a, a billion dollars is going to be coming in. And the Public Service Commission is in the process of evaluating a, a plan, developing a plan uh, to make sure that everybody in the state has, has broadband. So I think one of the first things they have to do is to, you know, see that plan. They're working on it now, apparently. And, uh, you know, there's we have areas that um, certainly, you know, in, in my part of the state, you know, we certainly need broadband yet. So hopefully that uh, the PSC's plan will address that and direct those federal monies to where the need is the greatest. So you're not sure if GPR would be necessary given the amount of federal funds that are coming for broadband? Yeah, we haven't decided that yet. You know, I'm, you know, I'd love to see where that federal money is going to go first before we start uh, investing state money when the federal money spends just as well. 
you both mentioned roads and infrastructure as a good use of one-time funds. There are several proposals out there to fund transportation into the future as we're dealing with declining gas tax revenues. Uh, The governor had suggested tax revenues on the sale of electric vehicles, repairs, and parts. Uh, Speaker Voss just last week again mentioned the possibility of toll roads, and then there was just a recent report, WTMJ4, mileage-based tolls. Will we see any sort of bold transportation reform proposal in this budget, would you say? Well, roads are important to me. I don't know that we're going to have a big appetite for huge revenue increases uh, in this budget. Um, I'm, you know, local roads especially are important, and I want to make sure that we uh, this budget addresses those local uh, roads like we have done in the past. What do you think will be the most difficult issue to reach agreement on within your caucus? Oh, um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think that sometimes in my past experience with the budgets, it's usually something that surprises me that I don't think is going to be the most difficult. So, of course, no I, don't know so what the, I don't know what that is yet until it hits me. I think that um, probably the biggest thing will be, and I've already been spending a lot of time on this, I'm sure the senator is too, is, as we said earlier, there's a lot of confusion between the one-time money and the ongoing, so I've been spending a lot of time educating my caucus on that already, too. And so I think that there'll be some members that you know, will think that we have more to spend than we really do, and so that'll probably be you know, certainly one of the discussions to remind you folks what our real spend is for ongoing and to you know, focus on what are the real priorities, not everybody's wish list, to make sure that we're building a responsible budget. Do you anticipate any difficult conversations in your caucus on any particular issue? Well, I, I agree with Mark. I'm sure there will be. I don't know. I can't tell you today uh, what the topic is going to be. But, you know, as we go through the process, I'm sure there's going to be things that we need to discuss. So, um, so no, you know, I, I think, uh, as Mark said, the, uh, the whole uh, one-time money, I think that's, um, you know. And, and we also get, you know, I'm hearing from, both uh, senators and and uh, and representatives uh, ideas on a brand new program that they want to put in the in the budget and mm-hmm. you know and I um, am not real inclined to put any new programs initiatives in the budget I think that uh, we've done this in the past uh, where we we ran that as, as separate legislation it, the process was uh, probably more appropriate than a, a 16 member committee you know developing drafting something and so, um, so you know, I've had obviously people are are still uh, trying to get things you know uh, in the budget. You know that uh, it's a lot easier to do that than it is to run as a separate bill mm-hmm. and go through the committee process. So, your advice, even to members of your caucuses, run it through the traditional legislative process. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, what is what's the biggest opportunity for bipartisan agreement and compromise in the, this budget? Would you say? Um. I think the shared revenue piece is one where we're fairly close. It's just the details are being worked out, so that's one. But I think there'll be a lot of them again. I mean, the the last budget and the budget before that, too, are really bipartisan compromises. They're built by a Republican legislature and signed by a Democratic governor. Last time we had several Dem legislative votes as well. So uh, That's what your goal is again? I think that's what you have with divided government. So that's that's what we have to work with, and so that'll be the goal and mostly that's accomplished by building a budget that invests in priorities and you know brings good tax reform so the stuff that's in there is too good to pass up. 
Do you agree? Local government, shared revenue, comprom- biggest area? Yeah, and just things that are good for Wisconsin. You know, the, I think hopefully the governor has the same goals in mind, ultimate goals in mind. We may differ in how we get there. But, you know, education, we talked about that. that that's important to him and it's important uh, to us. Uh, local roads, important, uh, I think, to him, important to us. Um, funding uh, our prisons and funding some of these state agencies, I think, you know, he's got concern about it and as we do we. And so, you know, again, uh, you know, our my goal is, is to, again, have a bi- uh, budget that is very similar to last time, that we get done with it. We're proud of it. We know it's good for Wisconsin, not just for the next two years, but for well into the future. All right. Let's talk about those hearings. Where are you taking the JFC Roadshow this year? Yes, everybody's favorite roadshow, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's important. We want to get out there and hear from the folks of Wisconsin. And so we're announcing today um, our hearings, uh, the first one being Wednesday, April 5th at the Waukesha County Expo Center. Um, then the next week, um, Tuesday, April 11th, we'll be up at UW-Eau Claire uh, in the Davies Student Center. And uh, Wednesday the 12th and the following day down in uh, Wisconsin Dells at the Glacial Can- Canyon Conference Center at the Wilderness Resort. That one was a mouthful. That's a nice place. Yeah, and then wrapping up with the fourth one. So there'll be four in the month of April. The fourth one will be Wednesday, April 26th up at Lakeland Union High School in Manaqua. And so we get a chance to get into a school. That's always one of my favorites because we usually get some students that stop by for classes and stuff and share some of their thoughts. So uh, four good opportunities throughout Wisconsin uh, to uh, hear from the folks about what their priorities are for the state budget. And you have a budget website. We had it up on a slide so people Mm -hmm. can go there and submit comments and share their thoughts. Exactly. Exactly. We want input from not only the people that can attend our public hearings, but also people that want to submit uh, comments to us uh, on the website. What's your favorite part about budget season? I don't know. It's it's exciting. It, it's uh, for me. It's a little bit like uh, going through tax season as a CPA. You know, <laughs> you it's you, you know it's going to be hard work, um, but you know it's going to end. You know, you know and, and uh, you hopefully uh, you get a lot accomplished and, and you feel good at the end of the day. So you know, you know it's uh, um, I don't know. It's it's for me. It's kind of exhilarating uh, during that, uh, and it hasn't started yet. So. I, I don't feel uh, I don't feel exhilarated yet, yeah. but uh, I'll get there. Is it as exhilarating as tax season, or? Well, um, not being a CPA, <laughs> tax season is usually just more of a pain in the butt for me, <laughs> like it is for most taxpayers having to do their taxes, right? Um, I would say though that I do find it exhilarating. I find it exciting to learn about all the different things that we get to learn about as we build a state budget, and hear from so many different people about, you know, their experiences, their priorities. And um, I think it's just a neat opportunity to learn a lot about Wisconsin and uh, whether that be someone that stops by your office or uh, reading a white paper or getting out on the road show and listening to folks. um, I do find it to be a fun experience and a fun few months. All right. Well, thank you and good luck to you both. Thank Thank you. you. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we sit down with the decision makers and highlight the issues that make a difference for all of us. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel to gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol. 